Hello everyone, welcome to History Tea Time Chat Live. Just trying to get Instagram to go as well. It either will or it won't, it doesn't matter to you. Okay, <laughs> I'm streaming live on YouTube and Facebook at least. Hopefully Instagram will go live soon as well. And today I thought we would have a chat about Queen Elizabeth I's coronation procession and just sort of a general chat around, around it. Let me know if you can hear me okay. Um, and uh, hello, hi Becky, hi Beverly, new member, thank you very much. Um, uh, and I've also, well, I've had a great day already. I have been interviewing Ileary Lynn. She wrote this book, what, well, this is just one of her books, um, on Tudor fashion. Um, she's also written on Tudor textiles and underwear. And I've just finished my interview with her. So um, that will be available to patrons and patrons put some fantastic questions to her, um, submitted some great questions to her. So I asked her about poison dresses and fashion trends and all sorts of amazing questions. Anyway, they make up the Patreon uh, length interview that will be available to patrons on Sunday. If you're not a member already, patreon.com forward slash British history. I'm sure you will love it. If you're not a member of Patreon and it's not your time to be, that's absolutely fine. The interview without the Patreon questions will be available a week on Sunday. So anyway, so I've been doing that. It's oh great. So everyone can hear me. Thank you so much. Hello everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Um, and uh, I can see people joining on Instagram as well. Brilliant. We've got it. We've got it running. I'm trying this new setup because I want to just be able to look at one camera and hopefully then it also looks better and looks like I'm actually paying attention to you all because I am. So Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. And uh, like I say, today I want to have a little meander, a little chat around the coronation of Elizabeth I. Um, so, yeah, so it's already been a history pack day for me already interviewing Ileary Lynn or Ileary. I need to ask her how much to pronounce her name. But anyway, um, and uh, and that followed on from a wonderful book club that we had on Sunday night. We were discussing Tracy Borman's book on Elizabeth I and Anne Boleyn, their relationship. It's a great discussion because um, Tracy's book looks at the relationship, obviously in life, but was very short. Elizabeth I was only uh, two years old when her mother Anne Boleyn was executed. We're going to come back to their story in a moment, talking about um, uh, Elizabeth's coronation. Um, but there was themes running through. What did Anne do for Elizabeth while she was alive? And then how Elizabeth um, used um, emblems, how she employed Berlin relatives and all sorts of things. And we had a great discussion about it and about the book itself and the writing and, and how readable it was. That was great. By the way, if you join Patreon, you have access to the recordings of the book club meetings. And if you can't make a book club, you can obviously watch back the meeting and comment it and whatever. Afterwards, we've still got a discussion going about something uh, to do with it. The next book is The Palace by Gareth Russell. This is 500 years worth of history at Hampton Court Palace. Turns out quite pivotal in a whole heap of national and international events. And so this is, this is a fascinating book. Absolutely wonderful. It's Gareth Russell, which means it's uh, 
not only is it do you feel mighty clever and well informed after you've read it but he manages to write in a style that you get all the information without ever feeling like you can't take it anymore or like it's difficult to read it never ever difficult to read it's brilliant whoop whoop Gareth, Becky says. So, yeah, so this is uh, our meeting. Next book club meeting will be the 10th of March. It's a Sunday, always on a Sunday, uh, 7 p.m. UK time, where you do the math, whoever you are. Um, Yeah, we had a great time on Sunday night. But anyway, there you go. That's that. Um, Next week, before I forget, I'm not going to be here. I am traveling looking at investigating doing familiarization visits with hotels and historic destinations if you want to please follow me on whatever social media and I will probably Instagram mainly uh Facebook possibly uh where I'll be sharing where I'm going and what I'm doing uh if you're in Patreon I will be giving you some behind the scenes information about why I am where I am and what tours I'm looking to be putting on uh, which include the destinations that I am going to so there you go there's another reason to join my Patreon but that's next week for this week we're going to talk about Elizabeth the first coronation we've just gone past the anniversary of it hence talking about it so Elizabeth the first was crowned on the 15th January 15. 59. Now, of course, she'd come to the throne in uh, on the 17th of November 1558 when her sister, half-sister Mary I, had died. She was at Hatfield House and she got the message. Um, she, interestingly, didn't look to have her coronation, particularly on any saint's day or any holy day, which would have been the norm. She decided to... Uh, consult her astrology astrologer excuse me dr john d uh who looked at the charts and decided when the heavens are were going to predict that uh that that she should have her coronation of course the the date of the coronation the is is significant it sort of sets the tone the premise the hopes for um not just the date does but for the rain you know is it is it you're looking for maximum good luck. It's like if you're choosing any, you know, your wedding day or something, you know, you're looking for like maximum good luck, um, hopefully, and longevity to come out of that. So, uh, um, yeah, so, uh, so she gets, uh, excuse me, she, she picks her coronation date to be the 15th of, uh, January, 1559. January is a, slightly odd date maybe not maybe it's just whenever but she's two months after and then chooses January which in England especially in the Tudor period actually because they're going through a mini ice age at this point believe it or not they uh you know you kind of think weather could have um could have put called a halt to it but no she's fine now there's a there's a number of things that happen on the run-up to uh, the coronation. So the coronation itself is on the 15th of January, but that's a ceremony inside Westminster Abbey. It's obviously the crowning ceremony. It's where she is anointed by God. Um, 
it's interesting in its own right for it being the first um uh well so her sister sister mary's catholic and she's elizabeth is coming and saying i don't want the catholic ceremony but all the bishops are still in place so all the bishops are still catholic and there's an argument over the raising of the eucharist anyway maybe we'll come back to that but the day before the coronation ceremony at Westminster Abbey, which is obviously behind closed doors. Uh, it's for um, the, the upper nobility, um, visiting ambassadors, whoever. The day before the procession, the coronation procession, is a public affair. And so this is sort of relationship set up between the monarch-to-be and her people in the capital city. The city of London is, um, uh, so it's still as it is now, the financial capital, the juris, the, the capital of jurisdiction, uh, judicial, should I say, is that the right? So law and order. Um, politics is Westminster as it still is today. But of course, in the city of London, you have the Tower of London and whoever controls the Tower controls the city, controls the country. The Tower of London uh, established in the time of, uh, by William the Conqueror and, and built up, built on the White Tower as we know it is, is uh, Henry III. Anyway, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a fortress palace or palace fortress, whichever way around you want to say it. And having control of it is important. Now, Elizabeth, of course, um, well, sorry, I'll come back to that. So she stays at the Tower of London on the night of the 13th of January, ready for her procession on the 14th of January, January excuse me, which is going to go from the Tower uh, around some of the streets in London and out at Fleet Street and out of the city and, and on to Westminster. The account gives us the detail of what happens in the city. So um, I actually don't know, haven't checked, want to ask someone as soon as I can, what happens after they leave Fleet Street? Is it simply a walk, uh, walk sorry, a procession that continues down to Westminster where, um, where Elizabeth would spend then the night before her actual coronation ceremony at the Abbey? Um, on the night of the 13th, when she's staying at the Tower of London, there are 11 Knights of the Bath created. That was tradition. And it does include a bath ceremony. Now, with Mary, uh, one of her uh, one of her gentlemen actually conducts ceremony. And I'm trying to remember who does it on behalf of Elizabeth. But anyway, 13 nights, sorry, excuse me, 11 Knights of the Bath are created. Um, so the morning of the 14th, the procession is going to link the, it's going to literally physically link her to the Tower of London and to, and the Tower of London to Westminster. They're her two, uh, they're her two um, seat centres of power, if you like. So the Tower of London is your like militarily, uh, military um, and uh, sort of, um, uh, 
well, yeah, stronghold. It's it's like I say, goes back to the win the conqueror. So you've got continu continuity there. If you include that in the in the uh, ceremonies, um, and of course, remember Elizabeth is coming to the throne as the daughter of Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. She was delegitimized by her own father. Nobody thought she would be queen, of course. When Henry VIII dies, his son becomes Edward VI. But he gets ill repeatedly and um, in a fairly short space of time and, and dies. And then his half-sister, well, we could go into the whole Jane Grey Mary thing, but that's 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 a different story for a different day. Mary the first, um, uh, so all the half siblings in turn. Edward, then Mary the first becomes queen, and then Mary dies without issue, despite having married Philip the second of Spain. She's very likely to have had um, some sort of condition or tumor which prevented her from getting pregnant and carrying uh, live children, and. Then, so then Elizabeth becomes queen on her death. She is not at any point during that time legitimized. So, when Elizabeth comes to the throne, she's still technically a bastard child of Henry VIII. I mean, add to that the fact she's a woman, and that's not supposed to happen. It's all very interesting. And the coronation and the coronation procession, therefore, just always important. This time, just immeasurably important. The City of London are going to show their support for Elizabeth. Probably learnt by now, it's best to just go with the flow. Go with <laughs> whoever's there. That's 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 the one you show loyalty to. And equally for her to be seen and for her, and she gets a very good um, write-up. You know, she she stops at one point to hear a child speak a poem. Um, after her actual coronation uh, ceremony, it's remarked upon by a foreign ambassador, excuse me, I can't remember who, that she smiled too much at the crowds. But she can make this connection, this direct connection with her subjects. Yes, in London, only I suppose although you would have had crowds most definitely like you would today traveling into the city and into the the wider area in order to try and see the queen be a part of the festivities um money was given out as part of um you know part of the procession and and so yeah, you might even get some cash so this was an incredible opportunity for elizabeth to show what kind of queen she was going to be and make that connection with her people. So it is it is it is um emblematic on on so many different levels what kind of queen she's going to be, what kind of person she actually is whilst being human also um also uh, showing that she is divine. She is she is she is closer to god than everyone else. She has this this connection, this position, she's been put there by God. Um, so, you, so she starts off from the Tower of London. Now, like I say, the night before she's uh, she's stayed at the Tower of London, the royal lodgings, the apartments where she would have stayed the night before, were significant to Elizabeth in a harrowing way. They were they no longer exist. 
So you can look at old drawings of the Tower of London and see them, um, but they no longer exist. Those uh, apartments, you can read about them in Houses of Power, actually, in Simon Thurley's book, Houses of Power, which we did in Book Club last year, actually. Uh, Henry VII did a lot of building at the Tower, but Henry VIII refurbished these royal lodgings which are close, were close to where the White Tower is. Well, they were definitely close to the White Tower, between the White Tower and sort of the, and the, the curtain wall, which is on the riverside. Henry VIII had those refurbished, ready for Anne Boleyn's coronation. Anne Boleyn had her own coronation in 1533. Um, Henry had already had his coronation ceremony, of course, when he became king. And he had a joint coronation ceremony with his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. They had been married and then the coronation. So the, the wedding, that's a bit of an aside, to Catherine of Aragon was, in fact, all of Henry's weddings were in private. Probably the first time because there was a coronation ceremony coming up. That was the biggie. That was the big one. So when he marries Anne Boleyn, she gets her own coronation ceremony. She's already visibly pregnant with the future Elizabeth I. Um, and she stays in the Royal Apartments at the Tower of London and she has a procession to Westminster. Um, and all's very happy, all's very lovely. Uh, Henry VIII at this point also puts the, un the famous onion domes on the four corners of the White Tower at the Tower of London. They were there for Anne Boleyn's coronation. Less than... Oh, Three years later, about just about three years later, just less than, Anne Boleyn is taken back to the Tower of London as prisoner. And, of course, she is executed in the Tower uh, in, in, on the 19th of May, 1536. She stays at those apartments during her incarceration there. Elizabeth, her daughter, knows this, but Elizabeth herself had been kept prisoner in those same apartments during the reign of her half-sister. So it is purely, really, I think, because of this requirement, necessity, to show this is continuity, this is legitimacy, I have control, and this is just another person in the same uh, role and I'm going to do it really well I'm but so she cannot miss out the Tower of London part she can't just stay there uh, start off from there and she needs to take stay there the night before take control be in situ despite the fact that the Tower of London has all these horrid horrific memories for her and indeed during her reign she she uses the Tower of London very, very little, and it goes into uh, disrepair. By the time James I of England, James VI of Scotland, comes down, the Great Hall, which again had been refurbished, ready for her, um, Elizabeth's mother's coronation, uh, it was so dilapidated that the, 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 there was a tarpaulin, whatever the Tudor equivalent of tarpaulin is, over the roof. So the tower is symbolic it's not that elizabeth's particularly enjoying the uh being there you know as we might visit today and feel like yeah we're at the tower of london didn't really hold those kind of uh uh 
feelings for Elizabeth at all. So, um, so the 13th, that she's created 11 nights at Lights of the Bath. She stays at Tower of And then, um, and then uh, the 14th is a procession, like I say. Um, yes, Jenna says, uh, Jenna says, I remember hearing something about how Elizabeth went, rarely went to the Tower of during her, her reign. Uh, yeah, absolutely. She didn't feel, not that she didn't feel it was useful. There was no... There's, there's various uses of the Tower of London. It was used as a palace, but actually Henry VIII hadn't used it very much as a uh, place to stay by this point. Well, so Henry VII would have used, he preferred Richmond, Greenwich he built, or yeah, um, uh, Westminster. And then Henry VIII also builds Whitehall. Westminster's bent down and sort of half in use by that point. The tower isn't very comfortable, um, so it, it is. It's more that that symbology of is that the right word of the tower, um, and I, just as an aside as well, it, it, Elizabeth at the time of her accession is you know, linking back her family tree to uh, everywhere, actually everywhere and anywhere, right back to Adam and Eve, but goes through. Um, uh, Julius Caesar as well so she um and and in London of course not to go too off tangent has Roman roots so it it the tower is significant even if she's not fond of it in reality it has it holds much significance so she does her bit in terms of cementing her with that place um yeah, so there we are. So that hopefully that that explains that. Um, we have um, a, a a written account of the procession. I have a map of London. Oh, it's behind me there on my shelf uh, from fifteen twenty, and I have been able to map out sort of see where the route went. So if you're in my Patreon, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a, a short video on that. I might have already done it before. I've got. Anyway, tingling memory that that might be the case, but we have had a lot of new patrons and I, I've had a lot of new patrons join over the last year or so. So I will happily do that again, including Kerry. I need to say a shout out to Kerry, who's our latest new patron. But anyway, so in Patreon, I'm going to do a little thing on that map and show you the route that she went. Um, and you can follow it in part today. Um, and that's my next job. I want to overlay the Tudor map with the map today. So uh, look out for that if you're in my Patreon. Uh, but yes, we have a written account. I'm going to show you this book because you can, I think, still get hold of this. And this this puts it in. So the Queen's, Maj the Queen's Majesty's Passage, um, edited and in, uh, by Jermaine Walkington. Um, I think I've got this second hand. It's really good. And in there is the uh is the is the account of the uh the procession and the pageants which were involved. There's also history about about processions, so I think it's really good. Um so that's uh, that was from that was written, excuse me, by Richard Mulcaster. 
um, printed by Richard Tottle. And what's also interesting about that account is not just that we have an account and it's really interesting and useful, of course, it's that it was produced super quick. It was it was being distributed within two, like nine days, I think it was, after the coronation, that an account of it is being printed and is being distributed. And part of the payment for uh, Richard Mulcaster um, it includes that he will provide a copy for Elizabeth. So it is tantalising and exciting to think that Elizabeth could have read the account herself as well. And it is written uh, in a way, and I, I wouldn't expect anything else actually, but, but um, that Elizabeth comes across very well in it. We'll get into, into it in a bit more um, detail in a second. Um, so we have this coronation procession. She is obviously a female ruler. She is has never been legitimized. Her sister Mary, of course, so Elizabeth isn't the first crown queen. Her sister Mary was. Um, her sister Mary also, by the way, was the first one to give a kind of speech as to be uh, the mother married to and the mother of her subjects in a in a speech at Guildhall. But anyway, um, uh, so so the whole procession really they they they. They were always geared towards the fact that the monarch is going to be a man. So it was displays of military capability, military leadership. And now you've got this young single woman. There needs to be a different approach. All the while hammering home the legitimacy uh, of uh, of Elizabeth. So, um, so now I suppose we look back on her, on everything in her reign, and we know that she ruled for sort of 40, 45 years and, and was Gloriana and um the propaganda machine did its did its job, did its work based on Elizabeth's own behaviour and abilities. Um but what had been so in the procession, what had been used um as the uh merits and um the merits of the queen consort were hyped up for the queen regnant. So Elizabeth's uh, virgin status, we know she goes on to, to, to maintain that, but this is, you know, her authority um, is, is, is her virtue. Um, what else did I want to say about it? Before I go on to what is the actual, uh, some of the, some of the, some of the, the, Pageants. Oh, I'm struggling with that word then. So the city of London, what's interesting is the city or this processional route becomes a stage. And many of the pageants that are, there's five pageants and they are situated at conduits. So um, like water fountains. Um, and, um, and they're looking at, like I say, raising the monarch to be, she needs to be at a level which is accessible and yet above her subjects. Like I said earlier, she is the closest thing to the divine on earth for them. Um, the themes of the, uh, the, 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 
procession and the pageants are all sort of moral and political. The religious, not so much, which is interesting. Uh, obviously, bearing in mind that you've had Henry break with, so her father break with Rome, then her half-brother Edward come in and try and go strong and hard for Protestantism, and then her half-sister Mary come in and go want to go strong and hard back the other way to Catholicism. And Elizabeth comes in much more careful. She has definite ideas in terms of ideas in as in what she will and will not tolerate. She doesn't please everyone by doing this in any way, shape or form. Um, hard reformers don't like that she's kept any processional ceremony in terms of um, processing to church, for instance. Uh, but she's very adamant that she's not going to have the raising of the Eucharist at the coronation. And uh, the bishop who uh, eventually, I think, did do the coronation at the Christmas uh, time before she becomes queen, but well, she's, sorry, excuse me, she's already queen, but she's not been crowned. He, despite her saying, you will not raise the Eucharist, raised it and, I mean, literally raised it and uh, she stormed out. So anyway, there must have been some sort of negotiation, reconciliation, and uh, and I think he does do the uh, the actual ceremony. Um, but you can imagine this is going to be so noisy. Like I said, there's people, there's, there's the residents of London, but people will have come in because uh, there's always a, um, a threat risk of the plague kicking off a bit, um, which would have been a good reason why actually to have your coronation in January when it's colder, when it's usually a bit more uh, subdued. Uh, in you know the disease is more subdued so that is uh that's interesting um but yeah so you've got people coming in from uh from outside as well so it's gonna be really noisy really excitable the rules of the crowds were uh were uh, compared to the sound of the ordinance ordinance being fired at the Tower of London whether that's an exaggeration or not it gives you the kind of idea as to how loud these crowds are um there's music there's obviously the visual in terms of uh the pageants but it's paintings and then there's Elizabeth herself being carried in a litter with a canopy over the top the only one under a canopy or being carried. So she stands out. She is the focus of attention. Um, uh, so I wanted to say, there's um, oh, do I have it here? There is a little bit about the pageants themselves. Um, so the first one is, is concerned with her lineage, her on earth lineage not back to adam and eve and caesar and all that and um it's a, it's all to do with uniting the houses of lancaster and york which of course was the the uh the theme of her grandfather henry the seventh's reign and this emphasized elizabeth's lineage like i say focusing on that unity the peace she's going to bring she's the that is a theme that continues throughout. If you've ever seen the Armada portrait, or if you ever ever look at any portraits, and you and the uh, and she's sat 
side on almost, maybe at a 45 degree angle. And behind her will be stormy skies or stormy seas or something. And the view in front of her is sun, peaceful. With Elizabeth, the storms, everything is behind us. It's peace and unity that's that's to come. Um, and in the case of Lancaster and York, that's her grandfather and her grandmother, Henry VII and Elizabeth of York, who've, who've done that by uniting in marriage. Her father is was the, you know, one of, because obviously Arthur was the eldest son, but the personification of that unity. Um, and it goes on to show her parents together. Now, this has been considered at some points as, oh, that's a bit, wow, you know, Anne and... Anne's not been spoken about in uh, in polite circles for a very long time. It's required. It has to be the case. Elizabeth can't be queen if her mother was not the queen, uh, it was not the, the wife of the king. So it, I suppose, kind of neatly avoids, it neatly ignores uh what happened to Anne and Elizabeth, of course, herself, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't really know why Jack, you're interested in listening to something about Elizabeth. This is no, like I've, I've done videos actually about fangirling quite recently, not fangirling, just talking about it. So, um, so yeah, so so that person, uh, sorry, that depiction of Anne is sort of seen, has been seen in in past in in when people are discussing the, the coronation procession as sort of a bold move. But actually, no, it, it's 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 not in that her daughter's on the throne now. So talking about Anne is clearly going to be not just okay to do, but it's required because it is. Elizabeth's mum has to have been married to her father, mother has to be married to her father. Um, so the four more pageants, one of which um, has the, the Bible is going to be presented to Elizabeth by, so, so the theme, theme of the pageant is time and truth is going to hand the Bible to uh, in English, excuse me, to Elizabeth. And she misunderstands um, uh, what's required of her as they come up. She can see the pageant in the distance and it's explained, well, truth is going to give you the Bible in English or words to that effect. <laughs> and she says, oh, all right, then um, uh, so-and-so can go and, uh, can go and, uh, pick it up for me and they're like no 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 uh actually um it's going to be lowered down to you on silk so if you wouldn't mind can you you know can we just carry on with the possession which she does um and falls back in sort of with with following the plan um which is quite a nice I think that's quite a nice uh anecdote um uh Pamela, of course, yes, of course, talk of Anna's queen would now be required. Absolutely. Um, I think so. Pamela asks, has it been viewed as sympathy for her mother or purely political? At this stage, it's not to do with 
her personal feelings about her mother, it is that her lineage has to be established as legitimate. She has to be established as legitimate. And that's why. And she continues to use her mother's badges, her mother's family's badges, and employ her um, uh, Berlin relatives. We discussed like, Tracy Borman's book and Berlin Elizabeth I goes into this in quite a lot of detail. And it's, 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 so that's definitely worth a read if you're interested. Um, so, so, so there's a couple of the pageants. The other one I wanted to mention is um, the last pageant on the route was um, one depicting Deborah. And as, as judge and um, restorer of the house of Israel um, and how she was a lead, she was a female leader among men and reigned or ruled for 40 years, which is incredibly close and spot on to the amount of time that Elizabeth was going to rule, but obviously they wouldn't have known that at this time. So they are also head on uh, tackling the fact that she's female and that this is fine. This is no problem. This is no problem whatsoever. She um, she's going to use her virtues. She is legitimate. She's continu She's she's part of a continua continuation of uh, legitimate monarchs, and she is now the new Deborah, I suppose. So. Um, Interestingly, actually, so tonight, if I just mentioned History After Dark tonight, we're talking about Boudicca, and there is uh, there is actually some link that Elizabeth tries to make to Boudicca as well, but I can't remember what it is, but there's something she's invoking or someone's invoking on her behalf, this idea of a strong leader in a, in a queen. Um, Melissa asks... She was carried in a palaquin. So uh, um, I did have the picture, right? This is going to be small, but I will bring it up on. So I apologize. This is, might be too small for you to see. Um, but she's in what's also called a, a litter, but you can see it's horse drawn. There's horses at the front, two horses at the front, two horses at the back. Um, whether or not that was a comfy, don't know but I don't think that was uh, the point, was it? But yeah, so she's in what's sometimes referred to a litter. I haven't heard it referred to as a palaquin, if I've pronounced that correctly. Um, how did other monarchs process from the Tower to Westminster? I would have to know the actual answer to that question. I would, um, if I'm going to, I don't want to say guess, what's, the, what's a better word for guess? Give a Anyway, I was going to say supposition. That's not right, is it? But probably on horseback. Because remember what I said earlier about the coronation procession is supposed to be a display of military might, you know, powerful leadership. Um, so he'd have been on he'd have been on on horseback, I think. Hmm. Yeah, the the gold coach used by the by Charles the uh, third. Excuse me. Yes, not supposed to be very comfortable at all. Looks amazing, though. Um, speculate. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> so um, uh, what else we got here? Yes, Elizabeth Taylor was Walter Fish. That is true. Um, Anaga. And 
my interview with Ellery Lynn, we talk about, uh, I can't remember if it's in the main part of the interview or the bit for the patrons, but uh, we actually talk about the staff around dressing, uh, well, producing actually the clothing for the Tudor monarchs, right from Henry VII. Um, and we talk about sort of how that, that is set up. Um, so you might be interested in, in listening to that uh, as well. So um, so I, th I think it, it, Elizabeth's, um, uh, the way she conducted herself and the, the pageantry, everything did its job, according to the very, I suppose, positive review from the man who was writing it, knowing that she would see it. Um, but it was a it was a success, let's say. So the following day, she has her coronation, the 15th of January at Westminster Abbey on top of the Cosmarty pavement. You would have seen that at uh, Charles III's coronation. It's incredible, the Cosmarty pavement. If you go to Westminster Abbey, please do take a little time to have a look at it. Um, and her, her uh, ceremony, which she had definite input into was a clever mix of the Catholic and the Protestant which I think she did in uh in her church attendance anyway um and obviously the coronation is 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 the most important church service that she's going to be involved in and that's a it, it is it is a bit of a reminder of her acceptance speech when or when she's when she's told she's queen, sort of this is the Lord's doing, and it, it's uh, uh, wonderful in our eyes. And she says it in, I think it's isn't that from the is that from the New Testament? She says it in Latin, or it's from the Old Testament. She says it in English, whichever way around it is. I think I think she says it in Latin, and so it must be from the New Testament. So there's this like balance all the time. Um. I haven't mentioned she's twenty. She's only twenty-five years old when she when she becomes queen, um, and when she's um, when she, so she's she's crowned in Saint Edward's chair. She's she has the same crown as her um, as her mother had had when she was crowned, which was unusual for the consort, not for the monarch. Um, and there was a mass said, which both in English and Latin, all oh, this this treading the the line, uh, which, like I said earlier, didn't actually didn't necessarily. Uh, it probably did please the masses. I, I don't know. I I always imagine most people were pragmatic like they are today and just want to get on with their lives. And you've got the kind of people at the extreme who are really annoyed that it's not an absolute this side or an absolute that side. Um. And um, she'd processed over from Westminster Hall and she goes back to Westminster Hall for the feast. And if you ever get a chance to go to Westminster Hall as well, it's within the Houses of Parliament um, and you can get a ticket and go in. Um, if you normally you have to pre-book, but do go and visit uh, Westminster Hall if you can. The amount of history that's happened in that place rivals Westminster Abbey itself. It's amazing. Um so I hope you've enjoyed uh, some of that. If you've got any questions or anything you want to pop, 
you know, or just carry on the discussion into the comments, you're more than welcome. Tonight, I am back at 8.15 for History After Dark with Dr. Kat and Catherine Ibbotson, and we're talking Boudicca. We're on to our history heroes. I would do inverted commas, but since by accident having my finger amputated, it doesn't really work. But anyway, you get the uh, idea. And so our heroes, in inverted commas, are this year's theme. And tonight, our second one, Boudicca. So we will be discussing that later. If you can join us, that would be great. We're uh, history underscore after underscore dark on YouTube. Um, what else did I want to say? So yes, just a reminder that next week I'm not here. I'm out on my travels because I'm doing some research trips ready for uh, putting together some 2020, more 2025 tours, uh, some really exciting new ones if you want to get behind the scenes details, then patreon.com forward slash British history. And I will be revealing what uh, what tours I'm looking at doing. Uh, for everyone else, you can just guess, I suppose, because I will be sharing pictures from where I'm going. Um, uh, and just before I go as well, so Anaga says, Elizabeth had enough dresses to wear a different one for 10 and a half years. Well, no, but you're going to have to wait for Hilary's uh, um, interview to come out to find the answer to that one and um, you are all so welcome thank you for joining me and um i will see you hopefully tonight or like i say follow me for pics and stuff of where i am next week and then i will see you back here for the live the week after that on wednesday all right so thank you so oh, poisonous dresses and aga came up as well you're just gonna have to join my patreon i'm afraid that is the way it goes <laughs> that's where the answers to that are so thank you so much everybody i will see you all really soon bye